Welcome to the Week in Review podcast on our Source podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher and Jordan McDonald, this is the short Week in Review. It is short. It is very short. It's Thursday. So I'm really distracted by the years we've got on. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan looks fantastic in Easter bunny ears. Oh, these ears are working very hard over this head. Yours are sequined. I've also got Easter bunny ears <laughs> on, which of course no one can see, but they have been supplied by Ainsley, who thought we would both look better doing an Easter <laughs> weekend bunny ears. Yeah, it's a treat for the few that watch the videos online, for sure. Yes, yeah, so we, we have Easter Bunny ears <laughs> in the online video, which does say that it is Easter weekend. It is indeed. You up to much for the weekend? Uh, no, I'm catching up on work <laughs> that that's I haven't good. yet got done. That's good. So I will be doing that, but we'll come to that later on. We've got a few things to go through, Jordan, but the first topic is one that is a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. It's been hard to avoid Donald Trump this week. <laughs> Donald Trump. I know, he's back. Do you reckon he'd wear Easter bunny ears? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. No. Um, but the coverage in the American media was something. There were, there were photos outside the courthouse at four in the morning as reporters lined up. So in case you missed it, the former US President Donald Trump, who's of course running for president again, was indicted last week on 34 counts of falsifying business records. He was arraigned this week in a Manhattan courthouse where he was fingerprinted. Now, we know that Trump's stories interest media outlets on both sides of the political spectrum. Oh, they sure do. And this week was certainly no different. We had media following Trump from his Florida home in a motorcade to the airport where he flew to New York. Yep. He attended the hearing and flew back to Florida where he held a media conference at 8pm at night local time, which is prime time for television. Uh, now the script is playing out so far as we expect. Trump has labelled the indictment as ridiculous <laughs> and I've got the bunny ears on my head and my hands at the moment. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg says these are felony crimes and the comment has been sought far and wide. One of Trump's biggest critics said the charges were even weaker than I feared. Here's how the Sydney Morning Herald, a paper that certainly does not like Trump whatsoever, described the court proceedings. They said, having digested the contents of the indictment, Trump was back to his defiant self. Why? Because for all of the salacious details and all the precedents set, the case of Alvin Bragg versus Donald Trump, officially the people v. Donald J. Trump, is far from a slam dunk. This could all be sorted out in court in December as the Republican nominees are preparing to state their case for the 2024 election. There is speculation Trump wouldn't go to jail even if he was found guilty and a conviction wouldn't prevent him from running again from president, which is just ridiculous to me. You know that this story is going to have a long tail, so how are media handling this? Let's look at the Trump media conference after the court hearing this week. It was covered by most media outlets, but it wasn't covered by MSNBC. And why not? Well, let's hear it from the high-profile MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. Maddow, 
Just as a moment of business here, and then I'll come to you in just one second. I need to tell you that right now, uh, the former president himself is making remarks tonight um, from his home in Florida. As far as we can tell, and what we were prepared for here is that this is basically a campaign speech in which he is repeating his same lies and allegations against his perceived enemies. It is just getting started. Um, so far, he's just giving his normal list of grievances. We don't consider that necessarily newsworthy, and there's a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. So uh, our deal with you is that we will monitor these remarks. If he does say anything newsworthy, we will turn them around and report on that right away. But uh, for now, just know that it's happening and we're not taking it. Yeah, that's an interesting explanation, Jordan. And I must say there's a part of me that's uncomfortable with MSNBC deciding to effectively censor news now, which is what they have done here. They use the reasoning that they won't air lies on their program. Mm. So... Now, CNN did show it, um, which has been a, an outlet that Trump has criticised before. So CNN showed it. We know Fox News showed it. Most of the big mainstream media outlets did show it. MSNBC decided not to show it. Now, journalism rests on the principle that different parties air their views and audiences decide what they think in the end. Mm -hmm. well, that's a theory anyway. But we know that modern journalism is changing because traditional revenues – that have sustained modern journalism have dried up rapidly and gone elsewhere. Yep. So these audiences now become really important to media outlets in terms of can they generate money for them. Mm -hmm. So to generate that revenue, you need to build a base for that revenue. So And you do that through building up a following because really of how you cover events. So people on different sides of the political spectrum look to the outlets they think really, uh, I guess, report the news in a way that they find agreeable i liken this and i have before to media outlets are a bit like a restaurant strip so if you come to a restaurant strip does every restaurant offer the same food mm. or do restaurants offer different food so if every restaurant offered the same food it becomes harder to make money but if you turn up and there's an indian restaurant there and uh, over there's an italian restaurant and uh, all different types of it, then people will go to the restaurants that they really feel as though yep. suits their taste for that particular evening. Now, this is what media has done before. So the issue there is we'll try and let's build up a following there where people will come to us and become our loyal audience. That's one part of it because in the end you follow the money. Now, the other part here for MSNBC and for any other media outlets is they're still trying to work out Trump, I believe. Now, we go back to 2015-16 when Trump was running for office, which he eventually won as president of the US. For me, too many journalists were completely outwitted by Trump in that time. Um, now, I think they missed the part there that Trump was – they were reporting all these apparent missteps by Trump at the time, thinking that these were going to be situations that would completely end his tilt of the presidency. But Trump was never – looking to please as many people as he could. What he's trying to do was engage the people who might vote for him. Yep. And by the time media worked that out, it was sort of too late. And you remember mm. in that 2016 election, pretty much every media outlet in the US completely missed it. They didn't yep. call it. They didn't think Trump would win and he won. Now we come down here to 2023 and um, what we've got is a situation where Trump is trying to fundraise. He's trying to 
run for the Republican nomination again for 2024. Um, there's all these different things at play here. So what role does the media play in this? Are they aiding and abetting Trump or are they not? I'm not sure media's worked that out yet. And so when it comes to deciding how they're going to cover different Trump things, they've got different forces uh, pulling them and pushing them. So this will be really interesting in the next few months just to see the way that media handle it because I think that they still um, jump at shadows when it comes to Trump. Something they've worked it out, but either way it's going to be really interesting. And here we go, the Trump show is on again. We haven't left it behind. It keeps going again. So um, we'll keep an eye on it without bunny ears next time, Jordan, but we will keep an eye on it (laughs) to see uh, what happens. Uh, But this week as well, we had the release, moving topics here, we had the release of another Roy Morgan survey and we do say, uh, report these a few times because the Roy Morgan surveys do have a bit of credibility to them. What's this week's? Yeah, certainly. So according to a recent report by Roy, Roy Morgan, sorry, the telecommunications or telco industry has actually surpassed social media as the most distrusted industry in the Australian economy for the first time since 2018. Ooh, that's a big call too. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's, this is the report. The report's called the Risk Monitor Report and it started reporting in 2018, so it's the first time. Yep. So this shift in the trust ranking is largely attributed to the high levels of distrust towards Optus, follow, Optus sorry, following its data breach yep. in September last year. So as I said, the report's the Roy Morgan Risk Monitor and it surveys approximately 2,000 Australians every month to measure the levels of trust and distrust of around 1,000 brands across 26 industries. So it's a pretty good spread. In the 12 months leading up to February this year, Optus ranked as the second most distrusted brand in the economy with Telstra following closely behind in third place. Uh, and despite lower levels of distrust in the recent months, I'm sure some people will be pleased to hear that Facebook <laughs> remains the most distrusted brand in Australia. Um, so there's been some media interest in the findings of this report this week, uh, and the CEO of Roy Morgan actually made some interesting comments about Optus, which I think are worth sharing. She said, unfortunately for Optus, it has been proven that brands which suffer major scandals find that once distrust takes hold, it is very difficult to curtail. In combination with Telstra's existing position as the third most distrusted brand in the economy, Optus has driven the telecommunications sector to be even more distrusted than the social media (laughs) industry. That's got to be a new low. Um, Just a couple of little bits from the end of the report. Travel, tourism and insurance, those industries also took pretty big hits thanks to their own highly publicised uh, events during the period, which included, you know, the negative coverage of Qantas and yeah, then Medibank's own data breach. So do you reckon, you reckon you're surprised by that change in ranking at all? I'm not surprised by it because I always think about this. Like telco products are in our hands more than any other mm. industry. So we've got our phone in our hands. So if we're not getting... Uh, the service we want from it, if we think it's too expensive. I mean, it's not hard to be critical of that industry. Um, What I'm interested about with this is that when Optus began, Mm. it began with the the catch cry of yes. Remember, it had the brand yes. And now from my hazy recollection of that, that happened because with a lot of the research they did on Telstra customers at the time. 
Yeah. They had this theme coming through that anytime someone rings Telstra, the answer is no. Yes, and that's what they have with their campaign. Yeah, so that's all their brand essence stuff. Yeah, yeah, so they became yes and their brand essence became can do. Mm -hmm. So the brand essence of Optus is can do. We can get things done for you. So over time, it's more from Optus trying to be seen as the, I guess, the opposite to Telstra, Mm -hmm. the, the... the ones that can make things happen. But now I, I really think that the way that that, uh, the industry in general, it's pretty hard when you're a telco product to stay away from that um, distrust area. And now they sort of morphed into that with this, um, th- this I guess, a controversy with the data leak. And I think that data leak is going to really impact more and more. We're seeing stories already about what's happened with Latitude Financial um, with data leak there and how that's impacting customers. So, it's a really difficult one, and like the CEO of Roy Morgan says, once you get into that spiral, it's hard to get out. Oh, so hard. I'm fascinated by Qantas, um, given what happened with Qantas over time. Um, so we'll keep an eye on those, but I, I think those Roy Morgan brand trust ones are really quite interesting. So now, speaking of social media, and we saw that it's, been, it's now got a bit of breathing room because um, we've got... The telco's there, but TikTok, Jordan, we had to discuss TikTok this week. It's been in the news in so many different places. Yeah. Um, and now we're looking at a ban. What's happened with that? Yeah, so I wasn't sure we'd actually arrive here so soon, but this week the Australian government announced that it is banning TikTok from government devices. <laughs> so the ban will come into effect, and I quote, as soon as practicable. Uh, oh, according the to government? The, yes. Well, that'll be next week. Yeah, according surely. to the Attorney General. Um, so the announcement means... How long does that take to oh, get... I've no idea. They, they, they've been very clear that there's no actual number, time frame attached to it at the as moment. As soon as practicable. That's yeah. a really good statement to use because that gives you so much leeway. Yes, by those familiar with the situation, I'm yes, sure. Yes, that's right. Um, the announcement means that Australia is the last nation of the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to go ahead with the ban. So that joining they're joining the UK, the US, Canada and New Zealand, yep. which is where all the rest of the news around the globe's come from. So the Attorney General said in one of the articles in the papers this week, said after receiving advice from intelligence and security agencies, today I've authorised the Secretary of the Attorney General's Department to issue mandatory direction under the protective security policy framework to prohibit the TikTok app on devices issued by Commonwealth departments and agencies. So that's the end of that. The main issue <laughs> the government seems to have is the potential, obviously, the vulnerability uh, to the Chinese government, which uh, the app is perceived to have, because the company is subject to the nation's national intelligence laws, which would compel it to comply with any data requests yep. that come from Beijing. Uh, TikTok has repeatedly said it has never... Uh, received any such request and not. would refuse yes. to provide any Australian user data if asked to do so. <laughs> but, what else is um, it going to say? Yeah. <laughs> but I get that uh, asking all of us to trust that is uh, pretty difficult. Putting trust in any social media is pretty difficult yeah, nowadays. That's right. Um, see, look, the question now is, you know, will the, the various states around Australia follow? You know, the Queensland and the Western Australia government have said it would copy the decision from the Commonwealth. The Victorian and ACT governments confirmed that they expect an imminent ban. Imminent? Yes. Is that uh, more urgent than as soon as practicable? I'm unsure. 
Mm. I'm unsure. Some nice words being used. Yeah, there are. There are. So TikTok's general manager in Australia, he's filthy apparently. He's fiercely denied the app poses any national security risks. He said he's extremely disappointed with this decision, one that he believes is driven by politics and not by fact. Mm. He said they're also disappointed that the millions of Australian users would likely find out through media despite repeated efforts from their end to Mm. uh, communicate better. What do you reckon? (laughs) Well, as a uh, young journalist, you're always taught to put the prism of, well, they would say that, wouldn't they, over different comments? And so I guess with that, with TikTok, they're sort of doomed that way because everything they say is, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Nothing to see here, it's all good. So... Oh, no, I'm not surprised at all, really. Um, you know, I think we're, we're seeing this. You know, you all see like with, uh, say, you know, the eventual ban on smoking advertising. Mm. I'm seeing a bit of this now with the way that, um, I guess, sports betting uh, is being considered as well at the moment. There seems to be, a, you know, this inevitable move towards some type of action and I think the TikTok one is a bit like that just in quick emotion yeah. uh, although when it comes to governments trying to implement these bans I'm always fascinated as to how they do that but um, look the thing I've been watching uh, recently in the US is the way that different states there uh, have been dealing with social media use among young people uh, and we had um, very recently the Republican governor in Utah signing two state bills that go a lot further than anywhere else um, to restrict access to social media platforms for those under the age of 18. So this has been very interesting. The measures in Utah include the fact that social media companies uh, would need to restrict minors' access to their social media apps between 10.30pm and 6.30am. They would require... (laughs) I like 6.30am. So I don't know how many are using... Who's awake then if you're uh, <laughs> there? But anyway, they'd also require parental permission for someone under 18 to use these apps at all. So outside of that uh, nightly shutdown, there needs to be parental permission. Um, so then that raises a question how you go about implementing all of this stuff. Um, and then in Texas, we've already had proposals in Texas that would ban social media for young people in the same way that alcohol is treated, as in it's illegal. So that's been a proposal in in the US, sorry, in Texas. So now I I do agree that there is a place for regulating social media and tech platforms. And this discussion is going on as well with New South Wales government this week saying it would um, make good on its election promise to ban... Um, mobile phones in New South Wales uh, state school classrooms from the fourth term this year. So there's this push here, Queensland doesn't have that. There's a renewed push on Queensland to follow suit. So what we're seeing here is essentially governments trying to regulate social media and tech platforms. Now, um, and the term we're going to hear a lot is guardrails, putting up guardrails here. So these are the guardrails, you know, that uh, we, we know or on the side of the highway. So, yeah. but here's the problem for government. The more that these governments try to do these things, in a, in a way, the more that it gets away from them. Mm. You think about the way that kids have um, different restrictions placed on, you know, the apps that come up to restrict kids' use. The kids find a way around them so fast. Absolutely. 
So <laughs> how do you as government try to legislate this and show that you're actually up to pace? Because that's the problem. By the time that governments get themselves to legislate these things, the technology's moved on. Well, that's a pro- the prime example is that uh, the congressional meet- hearing with the TikTok CEO the questions that they're asking is just so clear they have absolutely no idea how any of it works. No, no idea. Yeah. So you're right. By the time I get to it, it's it's so far ahead. Yeah, so I'm, I know you've got to try and you know keep on top of these things and people make some impassioned pleas for the damage that can be done. And mm. I get all that. I'm not arguing that at all. What I'm more interested in is how you try to legislate something that is, slips through your fingers. Yeah. Um, so, look, I think we'll keep seeing this. The US gives us some sort of, uh, I guess, fast forward on this because different states do so many different things there. Um, so let's see what happens. And one of those proposals in Utah would enable um, parents to look at everything their child posts on social media, in, in, including messages to friends. Right. So, well, that that's opens up a whole new um, can of worms as well. Now... Hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to mention just quickly, Jordan, is the decision by Australian Community Media. So that's a media publisher, the likes of the Canberra Times, Newcastle Herald. Yeah, yeah. It's decided to shut down a bunch of newspapers, uh, 13 different mastheads in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. In Queensland, we're talking about the Jim Boomba Times, I think, and the Redland City Bulletin, which we've mentioned before, but there's 13 altogether. So I just wanted to flag that. Um, and it's being done in a way to, um, to to save money. Also, what's interesting is there's a bunch of forced leave over the Easter weekend yes. and across Anzac Day weekend to try and get some of these holidays off the books. So what we're seeing here is, again, newspaper publishers trying to find ways to keep these titles viable. I think it's just going to see more dominoes fall as time goes on. But we don't like to see papers close, but we do um, remark on this podcast when they do. So I know we'd already mentioned the Redland City Bulletin and the Jim Boomba Times, well, it's now got a bunch of uh, uh, sister publications from within Australian community media, including the Forbes Advocate, um, the Young Witness, etc. So, um, and the Cowra Guardian, farewell to them and good luck to them. Now, something that's not closing, Jordan, the Celebrity Mags <laughs> and the covers of the Celebrity Mags this week. We like to bring them up at times. I'm going to look, first of all, at the Woman's Day... Uh, which okay. has got some big news here. Um, uh, Prince Frederick, isn't it? Prince Frederick in Denmark, is that right? Oh, mate, he's, he's foreign to me as a royal, so this is the first time yeah, seeing of him. Prince Frederick. Anyway, he's just called Fred on the front cover of the Woman's Day. Fred. Fred flees Denmark. It's yeah. very informal, isn't it? Fred's fleeing Denmark. I'm not so familiar with him that I'd call him Fred, but no. he apparently is saying here, I don't want to be king. So that's what he's saying. So uh, that's got a big exclamation mark at the end of it. So that's uh, obviously something is happening there with uh, Fred, who may or may not want to be king. Now, we're seeing apparently Reese Witherspoon has had a wild divorce party. I didn't know Reese was married, nor she was divorced. But there's a (laughs) big party with all the picks. Is that right? All the picks. You can go and see those. Now, of course... Where with uh, celebrity TV shows, uh, Channel 10, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. 
and we've got <laughs> a story about the jungle demands <laughs> of one of the contestants. I was hoping you'd stick me to the women's day just so I could read CACs. Yeah, so, so Carrie Ann Kelly is it? Carrie Ann Kennelly. Um, <laughs> shocking nickname. CAC, yes. Oh God, she's made some demands in the jungle. <laughs> it's like you're choking. <laughs> and those demands have been leaked, and the word leaked is in italics, so you know that that's got yeah, a real thing to it. Now. Of course, you've got the royal family, yes. and there's apparently been some betrayal in the royal family. Um, so there's Prince Harry on there. I'm not sure what the betrayal is, but Jordan, that leads us into the new idea because new idea this week. What is the big news there? Yeah, there looks to be these two voyeuristic photos of the Prince brothers. Uh, so Harry confronts William. Big exclamation mark! Dramatic scenes in London. They're dressed in all blue. They look like they sort of come from hospital. Do you uh, reckon they're modern photos? Yeah, look, I don't know. I, I, I reckon, is it Prince William? Yeah. He's William. got a little bit too much hair on that head of his. I well, some dramatic scenes anyway. Yeah, dramatic scenes. <coughs> and shot um, pics. I must admit the married at first sight down the bottom caught my eye because that's finished now. Oh, yeah, we're going to discuss that too, but we didn't yes, get ready to we'll get to that there. next week, don't you worry. Okay, we, we need to there. do that. Um, so the block, Jenny and Dylan's wedding album. Are you watching the block? Uh, the block's finished from, from that season at least. I haven't watched any of the new right. one, nor am I aware there's one coming up at the oh, minute. Oh, no, you know more than me on Yeah, that. well, look, uh, you had me worried there for a minute. No, well, no, well this is someone's um, wedding I album. I that would have been pretty popular in that magazine, though, because they were pretty popular on the TV show. Okay. Carrie's photo scandal, new split drama. It looks like a mugshot of the, the poor bloke who's being hung out there. I have no idea who that is, Nor but do I. there's trouble. There's uh, trouble afoot. And then you've got Rebecca and Eric, the truth about us. Who are Rebecca and Eric? I have no idea, but uh, the truth is revealed in New Idea. Now, we like to just keep up with those, as we say, because they do Indeed. give us some insights. So, And they're successful magazines while the likes of... Uh, some of the small papers go. They keep going very well. So good luck to all of those people on the cover <laughs> of those. Uh, now, what is happening for your Easter weekend up after you take off your bunny ears? Uh, these bunny ears coming off very, very <laughs> shortly. I'd say immediately. I'm headed from work here actually down to Paradise Point to go catch up with some of our friends, uh, one being the uh, recovering jockey Martin Harley. Oh, yes, you had a fall. Yes, you had a fall. He just had, recently had his halo brace taken out. Oh, wow. Which the picture updates and that were just ridiculous. So we're going to go see him have a little uh, barbecue and then we'll be very much laying low tomorrow. Yeah, they're, uh, they're gutsy, gutsy people, those jockeys. Yeah. Extremely gutsy. Um, yeah, and there's plenty of sport going on. There's lots happening over these few days. Yeah, was it Brisbane and Collingwood tonight, is it? Yeah. Yeah, sold out. Lions Collingwood. Uh, I hear there's good ticket sales for the Broncos and Raiders on Saturday night. Okay. So people around Brisbane, um, not much on. I hear they're very healthy ticket sales for that game. Pretty good then. Um, and yeah, then we're back into another short week next week. Oh, are we? Yeah, well, we got? Easter Mates Monday. Oh, didn't know that. That's Four day weekend. That's all right. I'm so we'll it. put these. Ears, these Easter bunny ears in the prop cupboard for next year. Yeah, the prop cupboard under the sink, is it? I think it is. It's yeah. under the sink <laughs> next to the Diet Coke cans. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where it will be. No, it should be nice. Ainsley got these for us. Yeah, well, they fit well. Enjoy the weekend. <laughs> you too.